Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Good day, everyone, and this is Ed McGuire, the Insights Partner at Momenta Partners with another episode of our Edge podcast. And today we have uh, Vinke Giesemann, who is the initiator of the Things Network and CEO of the Things Industries. And we're going to be diving into some of his experience. He's a real expert in low-power technologies for connectivity, which are Really critical to uh, to connected industry and uh, and Vinka, it's great to great to have you. Uh, thanks for for having me. Here. <laughs> Terrific. Well, I, I'd like to just start a bit with a, your a bit of your background and and uh, if you share a bit of what, you know your experience and what has really shaped your your views of technology and and connected industry. I started my career in the, the tel- as a as a Dutch telco operator. Uh, and um, did my first business in um, in media. Uh, we created a Netflix for the Netherlands. While Netflix was not yet there, and then uh, Netflix came to the Netherlands, so our business was uh, was obsolete uh, quite uh, quite fast. Uh, and then after that, I started um, a new business with my business partner Johan. Um, uh, when we discovered a, a new te- technology called LoRaWAN, while well, it was still in its beta, in the summer of 2015. Um, uh, and and there I yeah got back into to to the the connectivity uh, business uh, business again. So can you talk a bit about uh, you know LoRaWAN? What what were some of the uh, the demands that were not being met with addition with current technologies or existing technologies at the time that uh, that led you to 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 develop this? And and could you, you provide a bit of an explanation of of you know of, of what LoRaWAN uh, is and, and some of the some of the dimensions of the of the potential. Yeah, so um, it was in the summer to, summer of 2015 uh, when somebody showed me a device that looked like a Wi-Fi router. It was actually a LoRaWAN gateway, um, and it told me hey, this this device can connect up to 10,000 devices in a range of 10 kilometers, and um, uh, the battery consumption of the devices themselves is very low. So that means that you can make all kinds of sensor and Internet of Things and de- connected device deployments uh, without the, the dependency on a active power source or somebody replacing the batteries every month. And um, uh, anyway, this is this is this is a pure uh, uh, technology explanation of the LoRaWAN, uh, of course. But I was I was super excited about it. Um, basically because um, it's it's like telco grade kind of capabilities with a long range um, and uh, with the, like a large amount of devices it's it's, it's it's actually extremely cheap because at the time their gateway was cost around a thousand dollars now they're going below a hundred dollars and um, uh, so this this really gave this this sense uh, and the sensation of enablement because the idea was that we could build these networks ourselves. Uh, and exciting stuff is that also uh, multiple gateways can work together 
as one big network. So our idea was to say, hey, just why don't we set up 10 of these gateways because the range is so long in Amsterdam and then we could co cover the entire city of Amsterdam uh, and let's see what happens. So we create a little like a team of people, uh, not even a company yet, or an organization said, hey, just let's just do this. And uh, we found 10 businesses in Amsterdam want to set up these gateways to experiment, to, to build all the kind of, kinds of proof concepts um, uh, with it. And what's interesting is directly this, like this abundance that we created in Amsterdam resulted in all kinds of use cases. And um, yeah, we saw all kinds of low-end use cases pop up that, that, that we could, were able to make more uh, efficient business processes. And I think that one of the most um, yeah, um, visual example uh, is uh, the, the smart mouse trap where you know, very, very early in this technology, there was, well, there was a company that sold mousetraps that would send a message when a mouse uh, is caught. And this way would, ha would be able to reduce the operational costs of checking on the mouse tra traps if they're full. You could actually make a huge OPEX reduction with that. So I think the exciting thing about it is, first of all, exciting technology it enables you to do a lot more than you can do before. The business cases are actually pretty clear. Um, uh, and this mousetrap is just just a small example, but uh, we'll we'll go through a lot of other examples uh, huh. later. Uh, and and I think the, the other other exciting stuff is is that it's really bringing together um, the the internet to the internet of things. So what I'm trying to say with that is that because you can build it yourself, you can build these networks at very low marginal costs. So this gives this abundance idea of the internet, right? So if you go to a Starbucks, you just assume the internet is there and you assume you can just freely use it and you assume that it is just, it's abundantly available. You can watch a YouTube video, which is actually yeah, a lot of bandwidth where you just can check some Facebook or your mail. But I, I really feel that this, this, this is, a, this is disruptive because it brings this abundant capacity of connectivity to the IT market. I love the story about the uh, or the example of the mousetrap. I mean, it is the the classic uh, the, yeah. the classic idea of building the better mousetrap. So that's yeah. uh, uh, so you guys are. It sounds like uh, you're you're really really doing that. Um, I'd love to learn a bit more about what goes into uh, the you know the, the the LoRa technology. What what is compatible with existing. Technologies are you know, can you use existing uh, you know components and processors and and you know what what is uh, you know what are you what what is built on that is uh, that is already broadly used and available and 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 what's new? Yeah, so uh, if you want to build this smart mousetrap, just let's take this as an example. Then you have to build a smart mousetrap yourself, and you have to uh, buy LoRa chips. The, and then you have to build your, your device, your electronics device, and then you have to detect that, uh, to make a mechanism that detects if a mouse, mouse has been caught. And then, uh, you, you, uh, the, the, the LoRa chip, uh, sends a signal over an antenna over the air in open spectrum, that spectrum that you can use just like you can use Wi-Fi. And, um, and then it sends it to a gateway. It's, uh, it's part of the of the infrastructure, and then that gateway then sends it to uh, an a, an application or, or some uh, like some kind of maybe 
ERP application that does the field force planning. Um, uh, so, so that's the, the like that's the that's the basic architecture of such a such a LoRaWAN device. Um, uh, but but yeah, it's it, you have to build a LoRaWAN device or you have to connect a LoRaWAN device to 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 a thing to make it yeah talk that. Uh, how do how does this fit in the uh, really in the landscape? And if you could talk a bit about the the the, the current landscape of of low power WAN technologies, uh, where does it, where does it fit in the uh, in, in the overall market? Yeah, so um, uh, the the thing with Internet of Things is that um, you, you see that there's always a demand for let's consolidate to 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 uh, let's say lesser standards um uh because that makes um everything le- uh, a lot less complex uh only reality is that for different segments and different types of use cases you need different technologies so where LoRaWAN is really good is in uh, situations for instance where there's a need to build the, the network yourself uh where um uh, there is a need for low power uh, but the constraint is that you can send very, very little data. So it's really about these small signals. Hey, the mouse trap uh, has a mouse. So, so there is really where the segment LoRaWAN is good in. And then in the same space, you see other technologies. Of course, you have for IoT, you have people using Wi-Fi, just cellular with uh, cellular uh, 3G, 4G, and now you have narrowband IoT coming up, which is aiming to be also a low power, but um, this is not in a, this is not an open standard in an open spectrum. So you, you're tied to 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 for connectivity to an operator, uh, and that, that that for instance can fit um, uh, other use cases that for instance are very mobile uh, and 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 do a lot of roaming across the country. Um, uh, so you have now these different standards and. Um, uh, and then, of course, in the home, you see a lot of like Zigbee, for instance, Philips use, using Zigbee, IKEA, uh, smart products are using uh, Zigbee. Uh, so that's that's really what you see in a smart home and on the short range. So um, uh, so basically, th- these segments are there for a reason. It's not it's not only because the IoT industry likes to uh, 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 relentlessly uh, push technology. Uh, and I think I think if you now look at the net landscape, you see that, um, that that it's starting to mature a bit. Uh, but but yeah, still there there I, I believe there's still quite some way to go for 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 this real big IoT dream of the billions of devices to uh, to to yeah to start. That uh, uh, is not really something what's on the super short term, but. The traction is there. You see, LoRaWAN is taking up, and it's doubling every year in numbers. Uh, so, so it's got, it's getting there, but um, not in the twenty fifty million McKinsey kind of uh, prediction style. Right. Well, that and that and that's that brings up kind of an interesting point, which is that the uh, you know the market itself has been pretty fragmented for you know low, low power wide area technologies, and and it, we have we've had a lot of competition with with different standards, even proprietary uh, companies like. Sigfox that have been uh, approaching the market. I mean, you know, what what have you 
what what do you see as uh, kind of the initial challenges to to adoption? I mean, what what are the pieces that have to come together, you know, for a for a standard to you know to really to really gain serious traction? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, um, I mean, I'm, myself, I'm, I'm all into uh, Pro-N, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty biased in comparing uh, alternatives uh, that to be said as a disclaimer uh, uh, first. Uh, but I, I don't think that if you see the big challenges in the market, uh, what's holding it back is not so much that, that there is, that, like, the, it's, it, it's not so much that these technologies are competing, but it's more that, you see that industries are very slow in adopting something like Internet of Things because it's really affecting their things. Uh, like when we talked about SaaS or online, um, of course, it was a scary place also in the start, but it was very virtual. Uh, but now um, you're, 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 um, you're, you're requesting quite significant CAPEX and OPEX investments into these devices, also in extremely risky projects. So uh, what you now see is that, that, that in a lot of cases, you need to make your own device. Uh, and, and it's just a very risky, risky uh, project. So I, just, I mean, why do IoT startups fail? It's because the range... And uh, like the, the scope of the risk is huge. So you already have have the product risk of hardware, which is super risky. We did a Kickstarter. We do hardware products ourselves. We became competent in it, but we 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 paid our paid our paid our price for the lessons. Uh, it's all very risky. But then also you have to go to market. So this let's go back to this mousetrap example. So you're talking to a CFO. He's probably somewhere in his early sixties. He's been buying mousetraps for like uh, 40 years, and he's doing it always in the same, uh, same, same way. And now, all of a sudden, here comes the, the, the new kid, smart guy. He said, "Hey, I have a smart, I, I have a smart mousetrap. It's going to cost you uh, 50 times more than your current mousetrap, but you can fire 90% of your people." And then somebody sitting there says, "Okay, you're asking me, like, just." The, the, what you ask operationally from somebody is a huge thing, right? So, and then, like the 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 general adoption has to come, and then the proof that somebody else is successful with IoT, like like especially in this in this IoT market, that you see the initial uh, uh, like results. Uh, but you, I think the thing holding back the market is is actually these go to market of these new the new technology, uh, girls and guys, and and finding the adoption on a board level uh, for these kind of projects, which which are risky investments. That, that that is something that's a given. So I think that is that is still a level of 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 like immaturity, let's say, that we will overcome in the next like uh, a, a, like two three years. Uh, at least in the lower one ecosystem, I see. But I think I think that's the that's the go to market is is the far more challenging part, and the, the technology is there. So that is. Um, yeah, the, and what's 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 notable is that there's a lot of cooperation across you know, different you know, different different sectors and and different industries in around uh, around alliances. Could you talk about the role of uh, you know organizations or initiatives like the Laura Alliance and some of the uh, some of the dynamics that are are driving partnership of 
uh, you know, different different types of companies, whether it be vendors and service providers and 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 customers, to to really accelerate real time to value with uh, you know with with Laura Technologies. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're part of the Laura Alliance, an active contributor man- member. Uh, so we're helping to to form the standard and um, act- actively involved in uh, yeah in evangelizing uh, the the standard. We do that by, for instance, holding uh, conferences around the world. So we um, uh, we uh, we have uh, always in January we have a big Laura conference in uh, in uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, and the rest of the year, we have them in India, U.S., uh, rest of Europe, Australia. Um, uh, and um, uh, the role of a, of a Laura Alliance is, is complying to that standard and, and moving away from creating proprietary silos and, and proprietary alliances, which is more of the old system integrator style, um, but then try to opening up and really create a market and make it accessible for, for many, many players, creating a horizontal technology layer that anybody can work on with an open standard. Uh, and that's what Laura Alliance is doing. And that's the beauty of, 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 of now having this solid Laura standard is that you have all these networks that can collaborate. They can start pairing their traffic. They can, uh, the, all the devices work on all the networks. So you have this, you create this trust because you create a lot of freedom for the end user because they know uh, they're limited in their fender lock-in, so there's more trust to create it. Then again, it comes back to this adoption of the technology is amplified. So having such an alliance is, 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 uh, yeah, was, uh, Laura Alliance is immense success. I mean, it's, it's now almost four years old. Uh, but if you see it in what pace, uh, that has gone, and, and the adoption of the lower one standard it, that's just uh, amazing. So, and that's also the strength of of, uh, of of pushing pushing such a technology standard. And I think it's also what the new age is, and the successful companies in IoT they're gonna and the successful technology companies they're gonna be I think twofold. So the ones that are stay pure horizontal and stay agnostic, and and they 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 withhold them from closed alliances. So they, they, they stay and be very good in that piece in the value chain. And then if you have multiple partners that can do that and then can work from their scale to lower the pricing, then you will have the vertical players that will be very much enabled by both low cost and quality. And I think what you see is that Laura One and Laura Alliance is that enabler to say, okay, this is the horizontal technology layer we're all going to comply with. Uh, yes, they're going to be like we're members and everybody's there are competitors, but everybody's yeah saying okay if we don't do it there won't be a market at all, and I think that playing that strategic game is uh, is what Laura and Laura One makes 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 uh, makes makes it unique and also why the ecosystem is extremely uh, active uh, globally. Can you talk about some of the use cases that are you know that 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 are starting to Emerge as, as really compelling uh, uh, stories or compelling narratives for Laura, and and how you know how do you use the the different 
you know, specific use cases or, or advantages to position Laura against other alternatives to really to argue, you know, what 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 kind of stories and, and success stories do you use really to uh, you know to convince people of the uh, of, of of the advantages, uh, you know, versus other alternatives. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I'll just run you through through a few. So, so something we're doing together with KPMG and uh, our integrator Mashed in Sydney is they um, they made the trash can on the Sydney fish market smart. So it measures the fill rate of the trash cans when it's full. Then uh, the facility management organization that's responsible for uh, clearing the trash cans. Uh, then is a, uh, can manage their workforce better. So so there's there's a business case because. Um, um, this is an environment where you want to clean the uh, garbage cans um, uh, as soon as possible. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a better service for the people that come there and they can optimize their workforce. So that's something we're doing in Sydney, uh, in New Zealand, uh, together with um, our integrator, Sodark, and, uh, um, uh, and um, an investor, Rabobank. Uh, where we'll be outfitting uh, 10,000 cows in New Zealand with a AirTag. Uh, basically, there are huge farms. There's no cellular connectivity. Um, so basically, there is nothing. Uh, Wi-Fi doesn't have the range. Wi-Fi is too, too energy-consuming. So what they created is a device that is actually similar to what a cow has in, has in her ear, uh, as a as an air tag, but now it has a little solar panel and a GPS tracker, and it can track the cow and it can gather data on like if it's moving or not, or if the temperature is squeezing that it might be giving labor. And business case is there is that um, they're they're they they can can act quicker on when a cow is sick or when a cow starts to give labor. Um, so uh, project which um, uh, is more from an environmental perspective, is with an integrator from Slovenia, Ernas. They are helping, um, uh, they are helping um, smart, uh, the green sea turtles uh, uh, preservation research, uh, and, um, uh, and they are fit, outfitting green sea turtles with lower-wan sensors. And then once they come on, come on shore, then researchers need to get a signal. And then that's more like a... So uh, we have a customer, Deutsche Bahn. It's the German railway organization. And we're outfitting their railway stations with um, uh, the... Uh, I think their railway stations with lower-wan networks, and they use the network to... Uh, time sync the clocks on the station and next they're going to do a very privacy aware type of people counting um, so so they're thinking of all kinds of use cases um, the, um, the, we have a project in um, uh, in, uh, in New York in Manhattan so the, actually the present borough of Manhattan has a, has a uh, things get network gateway on our desk, and what they do is they measure the temperature, temperature of the social housing and check if the commercial facility management and uh, landlord organizations are actually complying to the service levels they 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 by law uh, need to need to reach and it means for instance having sufficient heating. Uh, in the winter. So it measures the temperature and then it feeds back complaints automatically to the government if some housing uh, uh, houses are not warmed enough. Um, 
one of our other customers is uh, WeWork. Uh, WeWork is um, a, a global co-working space company, so they help businesses to with very flexible uh, co-working, and uh, we help them to think of uh, uh, and uh, to build all kinds of use cases on top of four one networks. And I think one of the one of the grow, more growing customers we have is a customer that is in cold chain management and uh, uh, measuring temperature of fridges. In uh, in yeah in in places where where there is for instance food and fish, uh, but also in hospitals where you want to keep exams at a certain temp- certain temperature and really want to know it when for instance somebody yeah, kept open the the door of the fridge. So what you see here and what's the common de- denominator here is that that it's all about small messages. It's all about information that is actionable, and if you perform an action on that data, it can save a lot of money or it can save a lot of uh, labor work. So the, 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 uh, the examples that are already there in the market now that Laura one is there only like uh, not even four years is, is example. And this is all, all production value generating use cases I'm talking about, right? So this is not, this is not POC level. This is real production. Now that's that's really exciting to to really see a, a vision coming to reality, and I, I love the uh, um, the the breadth of examples, particularly thinking about that that Internet of Cows. You know, when you when you look at the market, I mean, are are there some uh, you know some observations? Uh, typically, there are, you know in emerging markets there are a lot of misperceptions or what you know what people don't think is true but is true. Could you talk about you know where you see some you know some disconnects in the market and you know what 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 do people what what do you find are the are I guess the most common misperceptions or uh, misunderstandings about about the market? Um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of noise um, in the market, and I think that that is um, confusing for end users or integrators are actually going to leverage the technology. Uh, but this is also, I think, what what it fits the current phase of of becoming a mature technology and, and getting to a point that that we're getting to scale and uh, um, and um, what I sometimes miss in how communication takes place is that um, sometimes uh, technologies are positions as a winner takes all technology uh, and that's just not the case in IoT uh, the real world of things is just too far too complex to uh, unfortunately, far too complex to to solve with one standard. Um, so, um, so yeah, that um, uh, I think that there 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 can be misconceptions in the markets. Okay, like, like for instance, in the LPWA, sometimes you see that it's like like that there's a framing that it goes towards um, VHS versus Betamax, right? The the the, the war between the video. Uh, like the tape uh, videos, and uh, but this this is this is the wrong analogy. This is this is really not what Internet of Things is about. It is highly fragmented. It's very a hard market, and it's definitely not a winner takes all market. Um, so it gets really confusing when uh, I sometimes have these conversations about uh, what's this this versus that. It's not really this versus that. It is your case your case that fits the technology, yes or no. But it's not. This versus that, and um, so so I, so I hope we're going to reach a, 
like a, a higher level of maturity in a market where depth communication starts to also appear. But uh, but I think that's 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 something that uh, that can be super confusing when you're not in the industry. Yeah, are there are there some common characteristics that you see with uh, you know, su- you know successful deployments of the technology and and uh, you know would love to get your sense of, of you know some of the more active members in the uh, in the alliance or or clients that you work with um, just to understand what's uh, you know when you're starting to think through the possibilities of the you know. Uh, Lower, lower connectivity. You know what are what are key elements for success? Uh, you know that that you've seen. Yeah. So, like, I want to approach this from the business side because because if you have a um, because basically this is a technology. Or last few years it was a technology uh, searching for a problem, uh, and and now I think 2018 was a pivotal 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 year where we saw these real use cases emerge in production. Um, uh, and basically, I think I think you should always start there because the technology is ready. Um, and I think basically now, if you want to really want to keep it simple, uh, lower one is actually it's basically the successful categories are two. One, uh, it can make uh, it can uh, um, uh, make sure you don't need to like it can it can save a lot of labor work. So you can save a lot of OPEX in the labor. So, so you see a lot of use cases that are bottom line OPEX driven, basically because you don't need to hire this amount of uh, field force. And the other uh, category uh, I always like to frame it is, is about people not losing their jobs, and that's in compliancy. So if there's this, this strict regulation, you have to do it like this, these processes have to follow like this, and if you can check the processes, then uh, that, it, that they are compliant with IoT, then you can save also a lot of labor, but you can also increase a lot of certainty. So one of the things, a very successful use case in, in the Netherlands is a company um, that is checking if a building successfully, successfully uh, performed their Legionella prevention, prevention process. So in the Netherlands, we have regulation that if you run water in a facility, you have to um, uh, uh, you have to run like w- at least once a week for ten minutes. You have to run all um, uh, all water at ninety degrees. But you have so but you have to check that if somebody did that or maybe if the automated building system did that. And you want to have an out of bounds system that checks that. So what they created very simple temperature sensor. You put it uh, in the system and it just checks. Hey, did it perform? these procedures because you can measure it with temperature. Um, so with there, it's like it's both saving labor, but it's also making sure that somebody's going to stay compliant. And I think if you look at these categories, because you can find so many, so many examples in this world everywhere where you look, there's regulation, there's compliance needed, uh, there's, there's somebody that you need to check it. Uh, so, so if I would give advice to people like what kind of business should I start, it's, it's really in these two categories, like just simple bottom line efficiency on the operational expenses and on the other sides, uh, 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 yeah, compliance. 
What do you see as some of the key challenges in you know in working with a new standard and developing uh, a new standard? Would love to get a you know a bit of your uh, your perspective and your experience you know as you've uh, you know as as you built the. Uh, uh, the, the things network and and worked with the Laura Alliance, but you know when you when you when you look at the you know the evolution over the last three years and 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 then looking forward, are there are there some considerations or obstacles that uh, that that jump out at you that where you might be able to share some uh, some insights? Yeah, so I think basically the collaboration is uh, if you look at the strategic game theory. Uh, in the end, it's, uh, it's a prisoner's dilemma. So we're, we're both in the, in the same boat, and um, uh, we have to collaborate to get the maximum results. And, and basically, the odds are bigger that uh, that our, our 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 personal like our the individual gain, gains are higher uh, when you collaborate. And I think that's that's something in the war alliance. What's really clear is that. Uh, even like competitors are working side by side in commissions to get these standards out, and there is a there there is a yeah it, it's a fair play kind of uh, uh, market, and um, basically it all starts there with the notion that our individual gains are going to be bigger when we collaborate, and that our odds for success are bigger if we collaborate, even though we are chasing maybe sometimes the same customers. And if you have that, then you have the breeding ground to start creating standards and um, and you get the politics out of the way. And then, of course, there's always politics. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, it's not a complete fairy tale, of course, but um, but then, then if you get that out of the way, you get that aligned, then you have the breeding ground for the, that standard to emerge. And then and then it's just just technology, right? So it's still... Uh, you have to have the smartest people uh, uh, on board, but I think I think that that notion that you're going to build the market together—that's that's that's really the the, the basics—and without that, you, you cannot do this. How do you see the you know the market evolving? I mean, in uh, I guess as you know you. I'm, I'm sure you do quite a bit of this, uh, uh, you know, scenario, uh, you know, analysis and, and, and forecasting. I mean, what, you know, what, what are you optimistic about, and, and how do you, you know, you know, how do you see the the market evolving over the next uh, five to ten years? Yeah. So uh, basically, for LoRaWAN and LPWA, you see that there's 100% growth in chip sales every year. Uh, that is uh, being underlined by uh, three independent researchers. So we see that the market is growing in an exponential phase. Uh, yet, um, there, you, like, don't confuse chip sales with uh, devices. Uh, it's completely something different. Uh, that silicon is made doesn't mean it's being used. Uh, so, um, so they're they're. <clears throat> Of course, that it will be a bit lower, but you see this general traction moving in the right direction, and um, uh, and and um, yeah, what you see with um, what we see with with demand and curiosity in the market is that you see now over the past few years, and um, and something is, is this this kind of exception or this curiosity out of the. Out of the market that's really going to use it as business, uh, uh, yeah, uh, to drive their business cases. Are there some 
countries or, or regions that you see as really ahead of the curve, or uh, or, or some that are you know that 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 maybe uh, you know maybe a little bit of slow to you know slow to adopt. Yeah, so what we see is ahead of the curve is the Netherlands and Switzerland. Uh, it's basically because there's both an open operator, that's the Things Network. So we have, have a network and in in quite a big network in the network where we're in 90 countries in the world, but in the Netherlands we're the, the biggest. And, uh, and there's also a, uh, a mobile operator that is also uh, having, uh, having a network. And the same goes for Switzerland. So there's a lot of innovation going on there. Um, and they're ahead of the curve. That means that they're, they're, they're a bit beyond the hype. And, and there's also a bit of a, a trough of disillusionment um, in these countries. Uh, then what you see there is that a lot of European other, other European con- countries are following, then US uh, and Australia, and then uh, then India and China for the, the lower one are fo- following up uh, uh, there. Uh, so so that, that's basically what we see geographically, uh, and, and Latin America as well. So it, it's a bit, a bit, also at, uh, at America and Latin America at the same level. How about industries? Are there, you know, as it, as, as, I mean, certainly you've talked a bit, quite a bit about, you know, agriculture and smart cities, but are, are there, uh, are, are there industries that really stand out to you as, as, as being the you know, prime adopters of, of, of LoRaWAN tech? Yeah, so I think, I think smart building facility management, uh, where we basically in, uh, uh, logistics, we see more and more, um, um, uh, and smart metering. So it was a big announcement. Uh, in France, um, by Orange, that also operate a LoRaWAN network that they are going to support, um, uh, going to connect 3 million uh, smart meters uh, between now and 2027. Uh, so, so smart metering is starting to catch up. We got a lot of uh, uh, requests from, uh, from smart metering uh, uh, water companies in, in Europe. Um, so so basically across these lines, I think the examples I... I, I, I um, I just told about is there's basically also uh, these these categories are, are a bit where you see the, the traction uh, right now. So for a company that's looking to to explore a uh, you know an opportunity with with Laura Technologies, I mean, what are, are there are there a couple of pieces of advice that you could uh, you provide if if uh, if, if someone you know, hearing these opportunities, you know, where should they go to um, uh, to you know, to get us get started with the technology. Yeah, so um, uh, IT as a starting company, it's super challenging because the scope of the risk is huge. Uh, you have the hardware, you have to go to market. Uh, basically, uh, the companies that we see succeed in IoT, they already have a entry into the market, and they have a very, very good integrator. And then what we see is they're becoming successful, or they have a very competent IT uh, uh, they have a very good IT competence themselves. But where we basically see startups fail is that if they go from a technology perspective and then try to go into a market. It's a lot of the times in the Internet of Things, you're talking about traditional market logistics. They're super slow. Um, they're focused on not failing instead of uh, winning. Um, so it's very conservative. Uh, so you have to know the market. You have to know, like, 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 uh, uh, who's, who's calling the shots and then where are the conference you have to be. So it is it basically, um, yeah, you know, my advice always then, then is to see like where, like, if you want to get to go into IoT, um, uh, you either become that integrator and surface the 
companies that have the problem, or are you the company that has the problem themselves? Make sure you find a good integrator and build your own IT practice. But companies to do that whole thing out of the blue and then go to market, uh, it's really hard to see them succeed. Yeah. Now, as you um, as you look across the landscape, are, are there some interesting startups or uh, or, or smaller companies that uh, that you're keeping your eye on? Yeah, so uh, what we're looking for in our, our own um, uh, um, space is uh, is a Terralytic. That's a startup from uh, uh, New York, uh, and they're measuring uh, soil. So if there's a need for more pesticides and need for more water, um, with uh, regions in the world where there'll be less and less water, uh, yeah, there's a huge need for precision uh, hydration, and, uh, and that's something interesting. Um, I'm 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 um, I'm really um, impressed by my devices. It's a company that uh, actually puts a layer on top of uh, the whole Lorwen vertical stack and um, provides all kinds of different, uh, let's say, business cases and ready-made solutions uh, uh, out of the box. Uh, so that's a very interesting uh, uh, company that I uh, that I uh, that I uh, that we also partner with, of course. Um, as, uh, so um, we're talking with uh, um, the 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 yeah. So the my device is, is one, and yeah, basically in the lower end space. Um, uh, yeah, there's, 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 there are many smaller companies, like, for instance, the, the smart mousetrap company. Uh, uh, they're called Signal. Uh, they're, they're very innovative in that. Uh, so, yeah, that's just to name a few. That's great, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of them are going to be coming to your uh, to your conference yeah, in Amsterdam. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that'd yeah. be that'd be certainly some, if someone's interested in, in in that, they don't want to miss that. And um, I, I guess any of my final question is uh, just about a recommendation. Is there a uh, you know do you can you provide a resource recommendation for our listeners if they if they want to learn more or um, or or if you have something that that you would you know you'd share with your colleagues. Yeah, the, um, the what I like um, uh, is the book uh, uh, zero, "The Zero Marginal Cost Society" by Jeremy Rifkin, um, uh, and it's also about the Internet of Things, where it's it's more about uh, more visionary uh, and maybe a bit of a holistic approach, which not is not really real, but it's about that if we start to automate and add more robots and add more AI and add more um, uh, Internet of Things, we're gonna like replace labor exponentially with machines. And uh, basically, if you, for any line item of operational costs, if on that line item you ask why five times, you always end up with that's because uh, he or she is performing this job. So OPEC is always in the far end derived to manual labor. So if you're starting to, uh, to, to optimize on this operational cost, so somehow you get into a society that it goes to a near zero marginal cost society. And how would that look like? So I, I think it's very really inspirational. I, I don't know if it's something will get there 
ever, yeah. and it's 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 mentioning the collapse, the eclipse of capitalism. I don't know if that's true, but it 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 it's it's it sparks imagination, and uh, whatever you agree with him or not, but it's it's an, a very interesting perspective. Uh, no, it's it, it, I thought it was really a uh, you know ver- really it's insightful view of of what could happen when you move into this economy of abundance, but the you know this you know, the the issues in that, of course, have really moved to the forefront of the, dis- the discussion about impact of technological un- unemployment and, you know, universal basic income, and of course, uh, yeah. you know, the ability to just just create, uh, you know, create goods and, and and grow food lower. It's it's it is quite interesting, and I, I that's a that's a great recommendation, and I think the uh, the 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 conversations and the debates that have followed have been, you know, are are very topical and 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 very relevant for us going forward. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Great. So just wrapping things up again, this has been uh, Ed McGuire Insights Partner at uh, Momenta Partners. And our guest has been Venke Giesman, who is uh, the initiator of the Things Network and CEO of the Things Industries. And uh, again, it's been a it's been a fascinating dive into uh, into Laura and the the universe of opportunity around uh, around low power connectivity over long distances. So, uh, Venky, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners.